stay. Oh, there you go. This is Clint. But uh, yeah, I'm Clint. I work here. Um, thank you guys for being here. Thanks for joining us in person, online. You heard it here first. I am still a young adult. Uh, so write that in your diaries. Uh, I'm so excited to get to continue on in our series. Uh, we've been calling it Jesus Bring Us to Life. We've been studying through the book of Colossians, and we are kind of seeing how Jesus is king over all, and he's a king who gives us new life. So last week, uh, Brian talked about some of the, the traps that we can fall in that might keep us from experiencing this new life. Uh, and today, this week, we're going to be talking about how this new life transforms who we are. We're going to be talking about our identity. But before we do that, let's talk about cartoons. You guys like cartoons? I like cartoons. And it's not just because I, uh, I have small kids, although I do. Uh, I still watch cartoons. I love this cartoon. It's called Gravity Falls. Uh, you guys know Gravity Falls? It's one of the best written shows in history, not just as a cartoon. Uh, I love Bluey. Bluey's amazing. When I was a kid, I was dead set on becoming either a Ninja Turtle or Darkwing Duck. You guys remember Darkwing Duck? When you're in trouble, you call DW? My favorite show. Um, but more than any of those, there was one show that uh, probably, I don't know, shaped me, molded me, uh, helped me realize who I was more than all the others because, you know, I'm not a Ninja Turtle. But uh, this show was called uh, the, the Greatest Adventure, Stories from the Bible. No, we had it on VHS tapes, so um, we made a slide because there are some middle schoolers in the room, and I don't know if you guys know what a VHS is. It is an ancient piece of technology used to preserve shows. Uh, so this is a VHS tape, but we had this set. It was called The Greatest Adventure, Stories from the Bible, and it followed three young people who they went through a portal in time, and they got to witness Bible stories. They would interact with people, they'd see events, and they would walk away from each encounter with a better understanding of who they were. And I loved it. I love these stories. Uh, through these stories, I learned not only about the things that God did in the past, but I learned about what he was doing in the present and what he promised to do in the future. And this show, it helped me as a kid see that my story, my identity, was tied up with the person of Jesus. Uh, and this is, this is a huge way that Jesus brings us to life. Learning who we are in Christ is one of the biggest ways that we can experience transformation. It's how we get set free of things that bog us down. It's how we experience hope and joy in our lives. It helps us serve others. It helps us become who we are created to be. So that's where we're going to go today. We're going to see how, uh, how our identities are rooted in what Jesus did in the past, but what he's doing in the present and what he's going to do in the future. So why don't you open your Bibles? We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. And while you're doing that, uh, let me open us in prayer. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you for today. We thank you that the sun is shining. We thank you for the nice summer weather. We thank you that we get to be together to worship you. So Lord, as we take time to study your word, would you meet us right where we are? Would you tear down those strongholds? Would you bring us to life? In your holy name, amen. So Colossians chapter three, starting in verse one, it says, since then you have been raised with Christ Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, 
seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you, will, then you also will appear with him in glory. So let's, uh, let's start in the past, because you know, since on the, on the timeline, the, the past comes first. Uh, this verse says, you have been raised with Jesus. We can be raised with Jesus because Jesus died. And this is a historical fact. Uh, I googled, was Jesus a real person? And uh, Wikipedia told me, and I know that there are some of you that are like, Clint, you can't use Wikipedia as the source. Well, today I can. I'm doing it. Uh, online friends, you can go ahead, fact check me if you want. Wikipedia, was Jesus a real person? Um, it says, uh, Wikipedia says, contemporary scholars of antiquity agree that Jesus existed. And biblical scholars and classical historians view the theories of his non-existence as effectively refuted. Robert M. Price, an atheist who denies the existence of Jesus, agrees that his perspective runs against the views of the majority of scholars. So scholars, not even religious scholars, think that Jesus was a real person. Even uh, our friend Bob Price here, who says he's an atheist and doesn't believe, he goes, you know what, though, I'm, my views are opposite of what everybody else believes. So historically, there was a person named Jesus who died on a cross. And as followers of that person, we believe that everything Jesus said was true. We believe that he was the Son of God, sent by God the Father, and empowered by God the Spirit. We believe that he left the heavenly realm, that he walked the earth, that he made friends, that he ate fish, that he got tired, that he got sweaty, just like all of us. We believe that he showed us what life was supposed to look like, that he showed us what we could be if we live a life fully submitted to God, if we live a life in relationship with God. He showed us perfection. And the powers that be killed him. But we believe that his death happened not because he was powerless to stop it, but rather he was the king, fully in control, and he chose to die so that we could experience new life. He chose to die to bring us to life. He did what we couldn't. He lived this perfect life. He never fell short. And that's one way that we can define sin, falling short of what we should do. He never fell short, not even one time. He was sinless, and he chose to die to sweep away our sins, to bring us to life. So I think of it like this. And this isn't a, a perfect analogy, but it'll still work. Uh, when I was a kid, I had a really hard time keeping my room clean. It was always messy. Anybody else same boat? I still have a hard time keeping things clean, but that's a different story. Uh, so picture, you know your room is a mess. You're going about your day, and just in the back of your mind is this nightmare mess of a room of yours. You know, you got dirty clothes all over the floor. They're like the plates with the food still on it. You know, at one point, there was a fork on the plate. You don't know where it is. It's hidden under some clothes. You're going to step on it. It's going to hurt you. You know. You've been there. In the corner, there's pizza boxes that are now like the home of a family of mice. That's this room. This is your room, and you know it. And every single day, you wake up, and you're like, man, I really should clean my room. Today is going to be the day, but you never do. Something always comes up. It's easier to just sit in that dirty room than clean it. 
So one day you come home, you go upstairs, you take a deep breath knowing that you're about to enter into your dirty room and you open it and <gasps> gasp. The room, it's clean. The laundry is folded, it's put away. Your bed is made. You don't know when the last time your bed was made was, but it's made now. The food, gone. The rug, vacuumed. The, the, that smell of that rotting food and that old milk, you know that old milk smell? It's not there anymore. <gasps> it smells like cinnamon in your room. Unless you don't like cinnamon, then it smells like something you like. What do you feel right now, looking at your clean room? And this room isn't just clean. As you look around, there's like posters on the wall of your favorite things. This room has been put together especially for you. What are you feeling in this moment? Gratitude? Thankfulness? Maybe a little apprehension, like this is too good to be true. If you're like me, there's a little bit of fear in there because you're like, oh no, somebody saw my messy room. Not only did they see it, but they cleaned it up for me. I'm going to be in trouble. Then you hear a noise. Oh, who could it be? You turn around, it's Jesus. He's standing in your room. And he goes, hey, your room? I cleaned it up for you because I want to spend time with you. I don't want to have you wasting time cleaning your room. We get to hang out now. So don't worry about your room. I got Taylor Swift tickets. Pack your stuff. We're leaving. I don't want to be late. Maybe it's not a perfect analogy, but I really like Taylor Swift. And Jesus really loves us. He died so that we could draw close to him, so that he could bring us to life. Our new life, it's rooted in what he did in the past. He didn't just die, though. He was also raised. And this seals the deal. Lots of people die. There's only one person that was resurrected in the way that Jesus was. The resurrection proves everything he said about himself was true. He claimed to be the Messiah, to be God on earth, to be the Savior of the world. And then he backed his claim up by breaking the power of sin and death. And it was demonstrated in the resurrection. Jesus is king over all, even death. And what's more, Jesus, he picked the time and place of his death and his victory. He chose to bring us to life. When speaking of his life, he said in John 10, 18, he said, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. He said what he was going to do, and then he did it. And when he did it, he opened this door so that you and I, so that we could experience new life, so that Jesus could bring us to life. Because we are united with King Jesus. What he did, he did for us so that we can experience this new life as being united together with him. Now, if you look back at, the, at verse 1, and then again in verse 3, it says, you have died with Christ and you have been raised. We died in a very real way. Becoming a follower of Jesus starts with us realizing that God loves us and that he wants to be with us. And then we have to die. We have to die to this idea that we're the king. We have to acknowledge that there is one true king. And as much as it pains me to say it is not Aragorn, it's Jesus. I got one laugh in the back. Thank you, Lord of the Rings fan. And when we do, when we die, we become new people. We're raised with him. We've been united with Christ, and that changes everything. Have you ever had, like, a moment 
like a split second where everything in your life changes. So I remember when I enlisted in the Army National Guard, they took me uh, to this back room of the processing center. There's a couple of us. And we had, they, you know, we had to raise our hand and we swore this oath of service. And I remember when I did that, I felt, that I felt connected to everyone that had ever done the same thing. I felt connected to my, to my grandpa, who uh, he walked out of his class Monday after Pearl Harbor and enlisted in the Navy and went and fought in the Pacific. I felt connected to my dad, who was drafted into Vietnam. When I left that room, I wasn't the same kid that entered it. I was changed. I represented something that was more than me, something bigger than me. You know, I represented something uh, that started with Christmas Attics in Boston. I represented the first Minnesota at Gettysburg to the horse, the horse soldiers in Afghanistan. I was united, connected to all of them. How much more with Jesus? We make this decision to acknowledge him as king, and it changes everything. We are a new person. We are united with the God of scriptures. We have been raised, joined, united with the God that spoke the world into existence. The God that breathed air into the lungs of Adam in the Garden of Eden. The God that spoke to Moses through fire. The God that led the nation of Israel through water and out of slavery into new life. We're united with the Christ who emerged from the earth victorious after three days. This is who we are. Jesus has chosen us for this. He's chosen us to be united with him. And make no mistake, you were chosen. You didn't stumble backward into this. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Jesus has chosen you. He's chosen you to be united with him, not based on how good you or I are, but solely based on how good he is. Do you believe that? Are we living that way? So right now, we're just going to pause. We're going to take some time to acknowledge this, just right where we are. And for you, this may be like the first time that you've done this, or maybe the thousandth time. But we're going to say, yes, Lord, would you be king of my life? Would you take everything I've done in the past? Would you give me new life? So I'm going to pray over us, and I invite you to pray along with me, just quietly in your head right where you're at. So Lord, we welcome your Holy Spirit right now. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for dying so that we could die and living so that we can live. Jesus, you are my king. My life is given to you to love you and serve you. Help me to die so that you can bring me to life. Amen. So friends, um, if you're here in person, on the chair backs, there's that little QR code. 
uh, and online friends, our online team will drop you a link. But if you want to get connected, if you want to take the next step in your faith, maybe you just made that commitment for the first time, or you're realizing that you have, you have a lot that you could press into, go ahead, scan that QR code at some point during the service, because we really want to help you get connected. We want to help you lean in to experience this new life. And there are people that really want to come alongside you and help. Because our faith, it's not just the thing of the past. It's rooted in the past, but it's for the here and the now. Jesus is the king of the present. So if you look again in that verse in Colossians, uh, that first part, verse 1 and 2, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, for Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. In this present moment, we're to set our hearts and minds on things above. And this is something that happens in the present, in the here and the now. Part of this new life is uh, the things that we care about, the things that we long for. They're higher things. They're different things than maybe we used to care about, different things than we used to think about. Uh, now, I'm not going to get too, uh, too far into this one because Steph, you know Steph? Kind of tall, blondish, pretty good at basketball. She loves this show called The Curse of Oak Island. Someday they're going to find the treasure. Steph, she's preaching next week. She's going to be up here. She's going to be talking much more about this, about putting off the old things and putting on the new things. So I'll just share one quick story, uh, something that happened to me this week to kind of frame up what this looks like, keeping our, our hearts and minds on things above. Um, so in Jesus, we see the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we see he's living these out. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I had to write those down because I don't have them memorized. Uh, these are the things that we need to set our hearts and minds on. And when we do that, that changes how we live our life. Um, so for me, I, like my, the house across the street is a rental property. There are lots of different people coming and going out of it. And uh, this winter, yeah, they got a, a Narnia like fence post right outside, right? So this winter, this Narnia light in my neighbor's yard started blinking, started strobing constantly. I'm sitting at my dinner table, strobing. I'm getting ready for bed, strobing. I'm at my wit's end, you know? Uh, weeks, weeks. So, you know, I did the thing that any normal, sane person would do. I got home late at night, and I snuck into their yard, and I unscrewed <laughs> their light bulb. Maybe not the best confession, you know, whatever. But it worked. I thought I won the war. A week ago, um, I'm finishing up a prayer meeting at Eastside. By the way, if you haven't been, come check it out. First and third Sunday of the month. We uh, meet at 5.30, we eat some food, and then we spend some time in intercessory prayer. Last Sunday, we were doing that. Uh, I get a text from my wife saying, guess what, the light, it's back. It's still blinking. And I went, how dare they? Don't they know what this is doing to me? This is a personal attack. The war is back on. I was so upset. And I'm driving home after this prayer meeting. I'm thinking about all the things I'm going to say. I'm like, this will not stand. This will not stand. I'm going to knock on their door. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. I start going through all the things I'm going to say. You guys ever do that? Have those conversations where you tell somebody off? Yeah, that's not good, guys. 
hmm, nine times out of ten, that's sin. That's not good. That's us set on earthly things. That's us trying to preserve our pride, our self-righteousness, our image. That's us powering up, not getting low and serving. So I'm doing that. I'm getting low. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm all fired up, you know. I'm going to tell them. And then I start thinking, well, what would Jesus do? Hmm. So I, I pull in, get this pie. I don't remember if I mentioned that. I have a pie left over from, uh, from the East Side service. I walk up. I knock on my neighbor's door. They come to the door, and I say, your light is strobing. Pow! Pie to the face. <laughs> Just kidding. They didn't answer the door. They didn't answer the door. So I, I left a note. And I said, hey guys, I brought you part of a pie. Because there's two slices gone. I brought you part of a pie. Would you please let me help you fix your light? Clint, 109 Parkland Avenue. Now you have my address. Left my phone number. Put the pie down. And you know what? I know nothing about wiring. I don't know anything about that stroby stroby light. But I was going to ignore my sermon, all the prep I had to do for today, to learn if it, helped me, if it uh, let me fix their light. Because in my drive home, I started thinking, well, what would Jesus do? He would die. He would let go of his time commitments. He would embrace humility. He would embrace love. And he would serve. And if I follow the example of the king who died on the cross... I need to do the same. We set our minds on things above. And this is in big ways, like contemplating Jesus and power on his throne, but this is in little ways too, guys. Embracing the fruits of the Spirit in our everyday, normal life. So where are you getting stuck? Where are you getting stuck? Where are your eyes on things below rather than things above? Can you make time in, in your week to change your gaze? To spend some time with Jesus and say, hey, will you take this? Will you give me your things? Uh, because it says that Jesus, he's seated at the right hand of God. Now this is throne room imagery. It shows that Jesus is the king. But let's not get confused about what this means. Jesus isn't seated in the way that I get seated when I get home from a long day of work. He's not feet back on the couch, oh man, nudging God the Father, like, look at this funny meme, isn't that great? That's not what he's doing. This is a position of power. And this verse in Colossians, it, um, it uses the same, like, the same language that Jesus used to talk about himself. So in Mark 14, we see he's being questioned about whether or not he's the Messiah. And he says, I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God, the right hand of the Mighty One, and coming on the clouds of heaven. And this is a tie-in to Psalm 110, uh, where it says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Jesus is the King of the present. He has all the power. He's coming in glory on the clouds. He's bringing his enemies under his feet. He defeated death. He broke the power of sin. And now, in the present, he's liberating. 
part of living this new life is that little by little, day by day, we're set free. Jesus is still the conquering king. He's very much active in the world. Seated doesn't mean passive. It doesn't mean at rest. It means victorious. It means setting the captives free. So where in your life do you feel like you're stuck here? What's that thing that holds you in check? Is it, uh, is it your anger? Is that a perceived slight? Ah, the blinky light. Is it worry? Is that blinky light going to keep me up all night and I won't get any sleep? What's the thing? What's the thing holding you? Maybe it's some sort of a negative behavior. You get stressed, you fall back in an old habit that brings death, not life. What's that thing that you need to be liberated from? Because when we set our hearts and minds on things above, we receive gifts and power from God. We receive love, joy, peace. We see our chains broken. His Holy Spirit breaks the power, that negative stuff in our lives. So this week, can you take some time to ask for liberation? To spend with King Jesus so that he can break the power of those negative things in our lives and bring us to life. And he will. He will. Because your life is not just yours to look after. Look at that last part uh, of the verse. Colossians uh, 3.3 3 says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ. It's wrapped up. It's interwound. What the heck does that mean? This is a mystery. We'll never, I don't think, fully understand it. Uh, so let me, um, there's kind of a, a parallel practice in some other spiritual systems that Paul's probably not writing about, but I think makes a, a really easy comparison. So in some other religious traditions, there was this, um, this thought that a person's, like their life energy, their soul, could be tied to an object. And then that object was hidden away somewhere secret so that their life was safe. So think of Voldemort and his horcruxes. Think of Sauron and the ring, right? Our life force is tied to something. Our lives are hidden. They're tied to Jesus. They are hidden, protected in him. He's the one that sustains us. He keeps us alive. He looks after us. He cares for us. He brings us to life. Uh, when I was in school, we did the hard-boiled egg thing. You guys ever do that? Where you, it's like usually for health class. You get the egg, and you got to keep the egg alive. It's supposed to simulate a child. Um, a lot of people, you know, they dress their eggs up, make little faces on them. My egg, I named him Egbert. I made him a little bed. Uh, you try to keep care, like, take care of this egg, and then you forget about it at the lunch table, and the janitor eats it, and you're very sad, and you feel health class. Um, your life is like that egg. Your life is like that egg. But instead of us carrying it around, trying to, trying to hold on to it, and trying uh, to stop our friends from smashing it up against the brick wall, we say, Jesus, would you, would you take my egg? And he takes it. And he protects it. And he keeps it safe. And that's not to say that life won't happen. It's going to be difficult. We might get some cracks. You know, the, the pretty face on our egg might wear off a little bit but we will not be crushed. We will not be thrown down because Jesus is 
sustaining us. So where in your life do you feel like you're holding on to your little ick? Where do you feel like, you know what, God, I think I can manage this part of my life better than you can? What would it look like for you to take that ick and just hold it up? And say, okay, Jesus, I am choosing to trust you. Take it. And then throw it at him and see if he catches it. And what's more, uh, Jesus isn't just holding our lives. It says he is our lives. This is where things get very kind of uh, mysterious. So let's try to, try to wrap our minds around it a little bit. It says, he is the very thing that sustains us. Our lives aren't our lives anymore because they have become his. It's like we handed him that hard-boiled egg, and as soon as he touches it, it turns into one of those big golden eggs from Willy Wonka on the chocolate factory. That's huge. Your life has become his life. It's like he takes your egg and he opens up his egg and it's like a Russian nesting doll and he puts your little egg inside of it and closes it up, never to come out again. Like you are united with him. All the stuff that makes Jesus Jesus, all that good character stuff, all that Holy Spirit power, all of that is yours because your egg is now merged with his egg. That's how we get brought to life. That's what transforms us when we realize that everything is blended together. Our life is his. His life is ours. With Jesus, we are secure because we are not alone. He is always with us. He's always working for our good. And this is rooted and established in what he did in the past. It's working now in the present, and it points us towards the future. Let's look at uh, Colossians 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Someday, Jesus will appear again. He's coming back, and he's going to make everything right. He will fully bring the glory of heaven here to earth. He's coming back, and he's going to bring everything to life. He's going to make everything new and right. This is the future that we're pointed towards. We need to take time and remind ourselves of this because it's easy to take our, like our hearts and minds off of where we're going. It's easy to take our eyes off of the things above when we experience so much of that uh, not yet, so much of this, the earthly things, the, the division, the death, the sadness. But friends, that's not the future that we're pointed towards. I love the book of Revelation chapter 21, because it gives us this really clear picture of what we're moving towards. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every, uh, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne says, I am making everything new. 
Hallelujah. Jesus, bring us to life. King Jesus, who defeated death in the past, who's transforming our lives in the present, will bring everything under his rule and reign, and he will rule supreme in the future. Friends, we may be living in the here and now, but our life is in the future. We're living in the present, but in the present, we can experience that future right now because that's where our life is, where everything is made new and perfect. Our life is hidden with Jesus there. We can experience that right here and right now. We have the hope that everything will be made new. What's more, God's glory will become our glory. The work that we do now, this side of heaven, it's not in vain. You ever feel like that? Like you just wake up, and like, what am I even doing? Nothing I do matters. Friends, everything you do matters. And we'll get to see how it matters in the future when all of the hidden secret things are brought forward in glory. Friends, if you've made Jesus the king of your past and present, this is where we're going. Can you keep your eyes on this hope? Because the hope that Jesus gives, this hope of a perfect future, it's going to bring us to life. It will let us keep loving and serving when we feel rejected, when we feel like things don't matter. It will allow us to step into hard situations at home, at work, in our neighborhoods, and be a representative for the living Christ. We made him king of our lives. He's with us, and we know where we're going. So we have no need to fear because our future is one of redemption. It's one of hope and healing. And you know what? This hope, yep, it's going to be complete in the future. It's going to be visible then. It's happening now. We can reach out. We can touch it. We can taste it. Are you experiencing that hope? Where in your life have you lost sight of that? In just a few minutes, the ministry team is going to come forward. And these are folks that would love to pray for you. And if you have lost sight of this hope, if there's a, a thing in your life, an area of your life where you just feel hopeless, please let one of these folks pray for you. Because Scripture says in Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come, get prayer. Be filled with hope. So friends, as we get ready to finish our time together today, let's make this really personal. Years ago, Jesus died on a cross and he was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven so that you and I, so that we can live, so we can die to our old self, we can get filled up with this new life. Jesus died to bring us to life. So maybe, maybe for some of us today, we need King Jesus of the past to come. He needs to help us put some stuff to death. What are you holding on from your past that's stopping you from being brought to life? That's the stronghold that Jesus wants to break today. Will you let him? 
And maybe some of us, we've made that decision to accept Jesus, to acknowledge him as our king for the very first time today. And if that's you, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We're so happy that you chose to do that here. We would love to pray for you because following Jesus is a team sport. Our present lives, they can be difficult. One of the ways that we can experience this new life is by praying for each other. So if you made that decision to turn your life over to Jesus, please come up front, get prayer. And if you're in a spot that maybe you've done that a thousand times, but you want to experience more of Jesus in the present. Like, I've acknowledged what he's done for me on the cross. I know that we're pointing towards this hope, but I don't feel a lot of Jesus right now. Come get prayer. And for some of us, as I was kind of uh, praying over our time today, uh, I felt like there are some of us that we've had moments in our life, like seasons in our life, where we feel like we were closer to Jesus, like our relationship with God was stronger then than it is now. And if that's you, like this is what Jesus is saying to you in this moment. He's not saying it to your neighbor. He's not saying it to somebody at home. He's saying this to you. He says, I have so much more for you. And that more is for today. It's not for when the kids are grown up. It's not for when things slow down at work. It's not for when you're older and understand the Bible more. No, that's for today. It's for this present moment. Will you lean in? Will you lean in and test God in this? Because he has so much more for you. He wants to bring you to life. For some of us, we need to, we need to experience this hope of the future. I don't know about you guys, but like I had a really long week. There was the blinky light, my wife's exhaust fell off, my phone stopped working, we got a bunch of bad news about different people in our lives. This week was hard. When we're going through the hard stuff, it's really easy to take our eyes off of that hope. So if you need some hope, Jesus wants to bring you to life today. Come, get prayer, let him fill you up. Because today, Jesus has new life for each of us. New life in our past, new life for our presence, new life for our future. Because Jesus is the king of everything. So friends, why don't you stand with me? We're going to uh, enter into ministry time. So I'm going to open us in prayer. I'm just going to pray some, uh, some things I think God might be doing over us. And then ministry team, why don't you start making your way up here? Uh, the ministry team would love to pray with you about anything. The stuff we've talked about, things we didn't talk about. And also, if you've had like a really great week, if you're like, Clint, I'm sorry your wife's exhaust fell off. My week has been amazing. Still come up front. Still come up front. Get prayer. We want to celebrate all the good things too. Celebration is worship. But friends, let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here even more right now. Yes, Father, just come and rest on us. Come and speak. So there are some of us that are stuck in things in our past, things that we did, things that happened to us. Lord, would you break those strongholds? 
Would you put those things to death? Father, I pray that we can lean into forgiveness. The forgiveness that you have for us and the forgiveness that we are to extend to others. We just break the power that unforgiveness has in our lives right now. And Holy Spirit, would you just meet us in our present? God, we acknowledge that sometimes we doubt that you're, you're big enough for the here and the now. We know what you did in the past. We know what you're doing in the future. But we keep you out of the here and now. Father, would you break our doubts? And some of you know where you're getting stuck. You know where you've taken your eyes uh, off of things above. When you've looked at, uh, you've gotten stuck on the things below. So if you know what that thing is that's holding you down, just picture that thing like in your hands. We say, Holy Spirit, come. Destroy this thing. Take it from me. I don't want it anymore. Would you breathe new life into me? Listen, Father, I just pray freedom from all the strongholds. Yeah. Father, I pray that you would give us that hope for the future. That hope that can keep us pointed in the right direction. That hope that gives us new life. Specifically, like I pray for the, the folks here today or the folks that are watching online that feel like they've been through the ringer, like they keep trying, they keep falling short, like nothing that they do works or matters or is seen. Father, would your Holy Spirit minister to those parts? Would you fill us up? Would you give us that eternal perspective that nothing is in vain, that it's all for your glory? Father, would you fill up those lonely parts with your love? Would you fill us with hope? Yeah. So friends, I'd invite you forward uh, to get prayer. Like I said, we pray for anything that's going on. If you feel like God is really doing something, take that step forward. Lean in. Move towards the king that brings new life. Friends, thank you so much for coming today. Let's continue to worship.